Hey, welcome to the Africa Podcast. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Today's episode, we pair two photographers from and of the Arab world to have a conversation about each other's work. This is a lot of fun. This is done in collaboration with Gulf Photo Plus, one of my favorite organizations in the region. I highly recommend that you look up GPP online and get acquainted with their amazing work. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome everyone. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Um I'm just going to be doing the little introduction to Africa and I'm so happy to be hosting co-hosting another episode of Double Exposure with uh, our good friend Muhammad Samji from Gulf Photo Plus. We're honored to be able to do this with GPP. So Samji, I'll let you take it away and tell us a little more about GPP. Um sure thing. Um so when Mikey and I met uh many months ago we talked about how we can kind of bring uh to the fore some of the excellent work that's being done by um artists and photographers and i've always loved fikra as a platform and um you know there are so many wonderful podcasts and go through the archives everybody whether it's um you know uh, academic rigor on issues like palestine or even you know what food is all about and so uh, we th- we thought it was a no brainer to kind of um you know bring these communities together and pair up two photographers and really have a con- conversation about um what it means to be a photographer and what kind of work people are doing right now and you know uh, uh and what kind of stories are being told uh speaking of uh, photographers we also have open editions um and so you can see some of uh, Tanya's uh, beautiful exhibition that we just finished um at Gulf Photo Plus a few months ago you can find those and uh some of Tasneem's prints on our website and um we always want to um share some of the um fabulous work that's being done in the region on our Instagram and on our um you know Twitter feed and on our website so please um have a look when you get a chance and we have some resources uh, online on our website as well a lot of uh, previous lectures and talks that were done so um thank you for uh, staying with me on that we'll start with um introducing both uh, Tanya and Tasneem and I'm very glad to have them both because I know them very well um we've I've you know uh, um I've learned under uh, Tanya uh, uh you know she's mentored some of uh, the work that we've done we met actually at a workshop many many years ago and um it's been great to kind of uh, follow on this journey of being a photographer with her um and Tasneem of course is somebody who came to Gulf Photo Plus many years ago um and uh I mentored you too What's that? I mentored you too. <laughs> um yeah, sh- uh, something like that. You can you continue to mentor me this team. Um <laughs> so um I think it'd be cool if we got um Tasneem to start out by introducing Tanya and then uh vice versa. So Tasneem why don't you uh do an introduction of Tanya and not um the formal bio but like, you know, what do you know about um uh, Tanya? What should the world know about Tanya? The world should know that well First of all thank you Mikey and Mohammed Samji for holding and hosting this it's it's a wonderful event and this is my second time to participate and bringing you with time, like this is my my family um both Samji and Tanya have literally mentored me and are stuck with me for life now um Tanya I met in 2015 when I was I would say a very um baby photographer I just photographed weddings at the time and I was infatuated with storytelling and a lot of my work I owe to Tanya um the way that I visualize things is very different now because it's not just proper documentary with all the basics and the rules it's more emotionally investing in the people that you photograph and instead of calling them subjects they're humans they're people that she has very strong ties to um I'm I'm not just influenced 
by the way that she photographs and documents, but how she kind of continues to document um, stories that are not always emotionally, um, I don't know, like she, she's in Palestine, she's in Jerusalem right now and Ramallah and she's photographing a lot of things that are difficult to, to understand when you're outside. Um, she's a wonderful mother, um, a spiritual mother to me, um, not by choice probably, um, and a sister. So in many ways, um, everyone should know about Tanya and everyone should take a workshop with Tanya if possible. You just made me tear up woman. Uh, Tasneem, I, I think that uh, that really uh, her name, everybody knows Tasneem. Tasneem is a, a walking love bomb. She enters a room. What, what should we know about Tasneem? I met her indeed in the uh, Arab documentary photo program back in 2015. She was one of my first students at a time that I didn't know. I didn't know that I would love uh, mentoring or teaching as much as I love photography. And I think that Tasneem is really part of the reason that that happens. It was a dream. She chose me. She walked up and she said, you. And I didn't know what that would mean. I mean, in, in general, it was supposed to be, you know, once a month, twice a month, some conversations. But this mad woman would leave five messages a day asking philosophical, emotive, like, and, 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 and since then, we have literally had two-hour conversations back and forth while she's driving in Saudi and I'm driving across the West Bank, but we'll just leave each other short WhatsApp messages. And it becomes like its own form of communication. Tasneem is curious. Tasneem is bold. And Tasneem partially to overcome, you, you meet her and her effervescence and you would think, oh, this is a woman who just moves with ease, but no. I think a lot of us are sort of wooed or seduced by her charm and her skin, but actually we, we forget that she is navigating some really difficult situations and having to charm people who have fear, who have reluctance, and yet she manages to get people at ease and to open up in front of her camera. And I think that uh, driving with her uh, across Texas, where I, I, I witnessed her literally have the audacity to bypass a state trooper and then seem surprised when it pulled us over. Uh, and then of course her charm navigating that. So the charm and warmth, uh, which is so much a part of who she is, is also, um, we shouldn't take it for granted. It's, it's, it's something that has inoculated and protected her and allowed her to navigate a very difficult terrain. So to my sister Tasneem, really glad to, to be here with you. Fabulous. Um, thank you guys for those um, lovely, heartfelt introductions. Um, so uh, I want to, uh, I do want to talk about um, very quickly about uh, both of them in terms of they're both documentary photographers. They make uh, uh, personal work, some, some uh, really in-depth um, emotive uh, storytelling. And they also, um, you know, for money, take assignments. And this name right now is in Doha photographing for National Geographic. Uh, Tanya has just been uh, working with um, the United Nations uh, on a campaign to kind of bring uh, stories uh, to light um, with the Life with Dignity campaign in Palestine. Um, and, you know, they uh, 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 they both, you know, do regular work on this front. So I want to start by asking um, about, uh, you know, the, the fact that you live on, that you both live under very interesting political climates and, and contexts. And 
you know, uh, um, you know, of course, uh, Tanya in Palestine and, and Tasneem in, in a very fast, rapidly evolving um, country like Saudi Arabia with all the um, changes that it's been experiencing. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Tanya, a lot of your work is about, um, you know, the impact of occupation on, Pal on Palestinians or, you know, for Tasneem's case, the draconian laws that limit women's rights in Saudi and the rights of minorities. And you both have sort of chosen to stay within these communities and experience what the people in your photographs experience. And, you know, that's a big part of your process, feeling that pain, that joy and desire with your subjects. Um, and again, uh, 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 that's a problematic word, as Tasneem said, and, you know, um, but, you know, you operate at an equili equilibrium with them and, you know, work with them to kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, have their, um, have their, you know, challenges and their problems shared through your images and your, your texts that go along with it. Tell us about, um, that process and how much of that uh, drives your work. I'll start with you, Tanya. You know, I, I struggled for years um, when I sort of broke the rules of traditional journalism and traditional documentary because I was so dissatisfied with what I felt was a lacking representation and reality and lack of nuance. Um, and I began innovating and it, it paid off and I got bolder and bolder. And I, I also felt a bit restricted because I'm, you know, I'm not Palestinian. I'm Jordanian. I'm Circassian. I'm Texan. Uh, I am. I have Palestinian children. I, I was married, living here. But, but, but that innovation um, it, it, it limited me because I felt like this is not completely my narrative to play with. So once I began moving more towards a collaborative role that also liberated me. I was able to, to feel more comfortable you know, in collaboration, innovating that narrative. But it becomes a, you know, a delicate balance because the way it was put to me recently by, uh, by an activist here is that I have skin in the game. He said, Tanya, you have skin in the game. We're, we're, we love having you here. We love seeing how you narrate. And I think at the end of the day, when you have skin in the game, when it's your reality at home, you can't help but become part of the story. And the, the, the balance is utilizing that, that, that care, that fact that you have a community to answer to, how you represent them and how you feel. And it also allows you to innovate how you approach it, but at the same time, not letting that hijack and becoming the I. I mean, yes, there are stories that are I, but in the case of Tasneem and, and myself, I think I can safely say for Tasneem as well, the I is the shared story, but uh, it's never, it, it, it's the shared story about a sort of kinship and understanding how do we tackle this? How do we want to explain our story, your story? But it's, it's, we're never in the main focus because it comes, becomes a bit boring when you hear I, I, I. So it's, 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 it's a constant dance, but I, 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 but I <laughs> do find it easier when people find out, oh, what school do you have your children in? Oh, where's your husband from? Where is this? And, and there's an ease and comfort when, again, when the, there's skin in the game. I also have a benefit that a lot of people don't. And I'm able to, and, I, and this is where the privilege comes in that I can access areas and literal land, literal checkpoints, literal people that other people cannot because of my dual nationality, because of my ability to be a chameleon. When I'm around settlers or um, you know, Israeli citizens, I, I become, hi, I'm Tanya from Texas. And otherwise I'm you know, Jordanian as needs be. 
Thank you, uh, Tasneem. I agree with everything that she said. Uh, quoting a mutual friend, Dalia Khamisi, she always says, Tanya is married to the Palestinian cause more than she's, she's not just there. She's, she's very Palestinian. Um, I, I agree that in Saudi, for me to, to kind of address a lot of social, political and gender and religious issues, I have to take a step back and not be very direct for many reasons, of course. Living in the Middle East, you have to kind of navigate around all those topics and, and kind of have, you know, um, tongue-in-cheek little gestures of like, huh, maybe throw in a little bit of comedy, maybe throw in an emotional story that's not mine. Because once it's mine, then it's me attacking. And that's how it's portrayed in our society that's very much we're very thin-skinned. We don't like someone to, to share any of our, um, I guess, stories if it doesn't come with perfection. And that's not just Saudi, it's the whole region. So once I talk about anything that makes them feel less than perfect and you're attacking us and what are you doing? So I'm, I'm very much held responsible. And that's also the, the, the minus of, of being here. Um, sometimes I, I find myself a little bit resenting it that if I was Western, that I can have much more access. But I also understand that as a woman, I have more access than a Saudi man. And as a Saudi woman also, I, ha I do have much more intimate access and a lot of private stories that will never be addressed or allowing a Westerner to come in. So it, it's, it's, you know, sometimes I, I get more access and sometimes I'm restricted, but it is what it is that I'm based here. And I, you know, it's my, it's my people, it's my country, it's my stories. You know, you you managed to um, have a rapport with your with with the people that you work with, and you know you get them to to trust you and and kind of share some of these you know very innermost um, secrets. And um, and and you know, do you guys think that like you could be considered outliers uh, in your communities at all? Like, is 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 that actually uh, helpful? Maybe is it a hindrance? Uh, I, I I know that I'm not someone that fits in the box, and I think that's I don't care at this point. I I did care when I started out in my career, and I think at this point I I love what I do. I'm very passionate about meeting new people and documenting the stories and following them and falling in love with them and sharing that that love with everyone else. Like if you, I think there's a way to photograph people and show them in while you demean them with your images, just using light and just everything that you do when you're taking someone's photo, you're taking their story and you're taking control of someone else's representation. And I, I don't care if my work is celebrated or if I'm celebrated or not. I just, I genuinely love what I do. And that's why we're struggling poor photographers at this point. Great. Um, I don't think there's uh, any talks where we actually don't talk about, you know, the political being personal and, um, you know, the personal being political. And and I want to uh, hone in a bit uh, in a, within an aspect of that. Um, you know, I think uh, knowing your work intimately, your portrayal of women is very, very potent. And you both produce quite feminist work without actually calling yourselves, um, you know, feminist or the work, uh, feminist work explicitly. And... And I think uh, there's a lot of um, feminist meaning to the work without it being contrived or, or, or trite or, or stereotypical. So when I applied to the ADPP program and Tani was my mentor, actually this idea was uh, very much instigated by you, Mohammed. I remember this in Bangladesh in the Chobi Mel. <laughs> um, it, 
I remember you sat next to me and you said, you know, you're a divorced Saudi woman. You should talk about divorce, you know, and, and also you're a wedding photographer. And I was very resistant. And then I applied to the ADPP, which Tanya became my mentor. And I remember to this day that Tanya was very much pushing me to photograph my own story and include my voice because I didn't want to include my narrative. I wanted to photograph everyone else's story, just not mine, because as transparent as I am among my friends and loved ones, it's very difficult to kind of open up that to that extent with people you've never met. Um, so I, I resisted for a while, but I did include myself. And I think that's why I can share the stories of women with divorce in regards to love, being widowed, to say that I'm one of you. I have the same narrative. I have a similar experience. I'm a single mother, you know, so you can open up to me. Um, with regards to getting a little bit political, a lot of changes have happened in Saudi recently, but up until 2000, up until a year and a half ago, um, as a Saudi woman, since you're born, you have a legal male guardian until you die. And your legal male guardian is your father, your eldest brother, if that's not around, your eldest uncle. Like you'll always be restricted from traveling, from renewing your passport, from getting married, getting divorced. So that's why documenting all of these changes, I didn't know that these changes were going to happen so fast. So I, I'm very happy that I photographed that. I, I photographed women not being able to drive and all those emotional restrictions are sometimes much more defined and, and much more um, strict to kind of go around. So it has to be personal. I can't say that I'm against, you know, women not being able to drive, but I can say that regardless of women not being able to drive, they've still continued to being lawyers, doctors, journalists, etc. So in terms of the personal, you know, in the years that we've had the Arab documentary photo program, which I think has been a game changer, and uh, it's like a miniature uh, MFA program in our region. And I think it's really helped put, along with Gulf Photo Plus, um, it has really helped put documentary photography in its rightful place in our region. And it's only, it's only rising. And in the years of that program, I'm always pushing my students to get per personal because, you know, if you're just coming from a sort of outsider journalistic, are you really able to get something different that's already been narrated? And that magic of coming up with something unique and, and new, it really only happens when you, you, you get personal and whether you're, it's the personal motivation and, and there's an emotive element to what's motivating you and, and you seek out or you sprinkle a bit of yourself. But, you know, for, for example, I had a, a a mentee come and say he wanted to do uh, a project on uh, a mosque in, in Egypt. And uh, I was like, okay, well, why? Show me what you have. And it was, you know, pictures of the imam, pictures of people praying. And I, I just didn't see anything there I, that hadn't been said a thousand times. And so finally I kept pushing him, well, well what's your motivation? Why, why are you doing this? And finally, it came to light that uh, he'd fallen in love during the revolution. The woman he ended up marrying, they'd both been in the Rabih massacre. And, uh, and then after they'd married and things started to change rapidly in, in Egypt, uh, they took very different positions politically and spiritually. And his four-year-old son was at the age where a decision was going to be made. Is he going into religious studies or, or public quote unquote secular. And I said, well, I think that's your motivation for this project. And in the end, it ended up becoming this amazing, unique project of letters to the son, letters to the four-year-old between the wife 
and, and himself. And it became collaborative and deep and wonderful. And I think that I'm always pushing uh, students to, to go personal. And I think in, in our region, we have to, because our stories, you know, you look at the documentaries in our region, every single one of our students, whether it's in Libya, uh, wherever it is, there's always this sometimes horrific loss personally felt by the photographer, a great grandfather that was assassinated on and on and on. Our stories are more complex. And so when you bring in the personal, it becomes almost a map to follow. And, and I think our stories in our region, when I show, when I show them to students in, 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 in Europe and the US, they're always amazed because I think we're coming up with a new way of narrating here to circumvent the literal political restrictions that we have. Great. Um, I think uh, I'd like to um, quickly go here. Uh, we'd asked you in advance of this call um, to share a picture of uh, of the of the other person and why you love it. So uh, maybe uh, Tasneem, you want to start um, by telling us why you what and Tanya because uh, Tanya doesn't know why uh, that Tanya doesn't know that you chose this, but why you like it so much, and then vice versa, and then we can end on that note. I find a lot of images from Tanya are very romantic and a lot of them are just, they're very appealing visually, the color, the contrast and the movement. And they're just like, I want to know more about their story. This is the least one that I know about. And it's, it's one that I don't remember anything sad. So that's why I kind of chose it because a lot of her images are just heartbreaking and they, they, I, they're unforgettable. So that's the one that I, I chose that I want you to share more about that's funny that you say that because this was one of the few assignments it was an assignment with npr on the samaritans the sort of uh, god there's almost impossible to describe the sort of lost 13th tribe of jews but they live uh, in nablus and they're actually in the palestinian parliament they speak fluent arabic uh, very interesting and i i was given an assignment on one of their most holy days and i had to arrive at two in the morning and, and walk through the sunrise with their scrolls and chants. And it was one of those assignments that you're, you're bewildered in the best way. It's something new. And of course there's this, you know, for someone who's become quite cynical, there is the spiritual energy that was just seductive. And um, at the same time, uh, there's a lot of jokes about the Samaritans because for a long time, they, they can only marry other Samaritans. And there, there's a lot of, uh, there was jokes that there was a lot of inbreeding and that they all supposedly have really big ears. And then when I was there, I was like, oh my God, it's true. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of, you know, and then, and then a couple of years be before, I don't know how many years exactly, they started to allow, I don't want to say male order brides, they're not that, but women from Russian, uh, former Russian communities to come in and marry, to diversify. So it was fascinating because it was the men that were covered in the Samarial robes. And the women, many of them were actually wearing short, short skirts. And uh, they looked actually, some of them, uh, like not the Russian ones, but the ones that had always been in that community looked more like uh, Egyptian films from the seventies. And when I talked to them, they were like, yes, you know, we, we like to differentiate ourselves from our Arab neighbors. You know, it was just, it was just, it was fascinating. And while I was there, so there's always the story that you're documenting and you're capturing the magic because the assignment was the ritual. So that's, for example, one of the images of just after the ritual, just after sunrise when they were done. But then I'm always looking for the subversion for my own personal project or what interests me. And I ended up becoming friends with uh, one of the teenagers in the community who was into psychedelics and was giving me a whole other view. Uh, Tanya, why did you choose this one? 
What do you want to know about this? So I was looking at Tasneem's feed and a lot of her stuff is, is weddings, you know, bread and butter. And there was another one I almost chose of this magic, you know, there's these three men walking through this sort of floral community with such purpose. But then I thought, well, at the end of the day, it's a wedding and I could, there could be a meta read, but, but I struggled. And then I came to this one and I was intrigued because of her writing that it was an assignment from, I, I wanted to know more about, because it seemed like an intelligent assignment for one from a US publication. Uh, and I'll let Tasdeeb talk about it. So it was the basis of the assignment that interested me and the idea that knowing Tasneem and knowing how this assignment, because I know the publication came to be, she probably had to go on the street and hustle. And again, it's difficult enough to get access uh, on the street here. I imagine it's even more difficult uh, in Saudi. And so just the amazement of how, you know, the, the ease this, with, with how she's laying and trusting her. And then also to get a portrait. She really managed to make it a portrait. The eyes speak a lot. And so, yeah, it was the assignment itself. And she could speak a little bit about that to Sneem. So this assignment was for Refinery29 and they wanted me to document and interview women and their opinions about Trump choosing Saudi to be his first country of choice to visit. And it was, all, everyone I interviewed was very anxious and worried and they didn't want to be named because, you know, if our country is welcoming him with open arms, then how are we going to share our actual thoughts of us being very frustrated and angry and hate? I mean, everyone in the world should hate him. Um, but this is before we even knew what trash he'll bring to the world. But anyway, so like I couldn't, I was very limp. I couldn't find anyone. And then I, I worked with a Saudi writer, which is actually this woman. And I asked her, can you please help me change the story and shift it to something we are all willing to talk about? So we talk about how we perceive America instead of usually the other way around is how America perceives the rest of the world. And I was amazed by how many smart, independent individuals were very much political and intelligent, and they knew more about America than what America perceives itself to have. So each of them have different and independent captions. And with her, she, I mean, I have even more um, like, you know, middle finger photos <laughs> that was like sent directly to Trump. But um, with her, she wants, she chose to wear the niqab and we wanted to kind of flip this again, romanticizing women wearing the niqab and how everyone is usually fetishizing them. When I, to be honest, when I post any photo of a niqabi, I usually get double the likes of a Saudi girl without wearing hijab because it's like oh she's so pretty and, and she's smart oh my god that's not how we perceive Saudi women to be so um that was her photo but yes I I, I love the fact that you read the caption before and and that's why you kind of went towards this photo uh, no, I, I want to. Uh, I think this is a great place to kind of uh, end and, and, and wrap up. But uh, thank you so much. I know you guys have had so much on your plate with everything um, that's going on um, with your work and personal lives. And um, uh, I know that you know Tasneem, you're an assignment, and 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 Tanya, you're in the middle of assignments and things. So thank you, thank you so much for being part of this. Um, uh, thank you, Afikra, for the space for making this happen. And um, this will be shared on, you know, on YouTube and on uh, uh, your podcast uh, apps. Um, but I'm going to ask uh, Mikey to come in and just kind of conclude and uh, say uh, goodbye. Thanks, everyone. A huge thanks, thanks to 
to Muhammad uh, and the GPP team. I know Rama's on the call as well. This is for us a dream collaboration. We love working with the GPP team. So um, if you don't already follow uh, everyone on the call, please do so. Uh, Tanya and Tasneem's um, handles are what you would imagine them to be. And, oh, I can put them uh, up actually. Yeah, if you put them up, that'd be great. Um, and this will go up on our podcast feed and on YouTube in a couple of days. All right, everybody. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.